0: you're having lots more discovery and you learn from those customers and you develop how to improve your sales process From the first discovery demo to the next to figuring out how to close business faster. But it comes as more of an inbound learning from it, figuring out who your ideal customers are from an inbound motion. And then you can go outbound after you've figured out like what is your best customers that find value to your product. But digital is now by far, you can have a 10th of the old sales teams you used to have. And now the sales team spends a lot more time actually with customers than they used to understanding their business problems and selling.
1: Welcome to Events Demystified Podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by Tree Fan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trefad, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another captivating episode of the Events Demystify podcast. This show is your destination for tangible, technical, and practical planning advice for anyone in the events industry. A shout out to our sponsor, 3 Fun Events, a pioneering boutique event production agency that is sponsoring this podcast, and as far as our topic of conversation, we're still on the Eventful AI. I'm your host, Anka platon fun and I'm super excited to bring on today's guest Matt Swally, co-founder and chief business officer of Omniki, which harnesses AI to optimize digital ads for customer conversion. With an impressive legacy at AT&T and an innate understanding of the dynamics of the corporate landscape, Matt's new venture is redefining how businesses connect with their audiences. You can read Matt's full bio on the podcast podcast website, in the episode notes. In the meantime, let's peel back those AI onion layers and welcome Matt to the show. Welcome to the show, Matt. I am super excited to have you join me today. How are you doing?
0: Hi, Anka. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really, really well.
2: Well, I'm so excited to have you join me today, and every time I interview a new guest, especially someone that I haven't necessarily met before, I'm super curious to hear what their origin story is. So, Would you give our audience a short snapshot of your story of how you transitioned from the corporate corridors of (laughs) AT&T to the dynamic world of startups at OmniKey?
0: Startup was the one the best decision I ever made, by the way, Anka. It's been such a blast going from, I was working at AT&T for 13 years. I did a lot of different roles. The value of working in a large company, I'll say, is you can do a lot of different things. And there's great operational structure there, and people learn how to execute very, very well on different goals. And so I spent 13 years at AT AT&T starting out uh, leading sales teams and being a seller at the beginning, making thousands and thousands of cold calls in the old days when digital wasn't the baseline. It was picking up the phone, calling people, email was you know, a fast emerging channel of getting hold of people, but then you were meeting face to face and sales has changed so much. I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. And I went on to leading teams on all across Southern California, and then finishing up my last five years at at ts headquarters. I made this big goal. I was like, I want to get to headquarters, figure out how big decisions are made, learn from executives. And I was a chief of staff for two years for the person that ran all of global business for at and then my last two years, I got into corporate strategy. So the other. Thing I learned, one of my goals at ATT was all decisions are made with a financial perspective, and I better learn how to go understand what the numbers tell you and the data tells you and tell that story. And I did that for two years at AT&T. And during that time, I was looking at what are these really exciting next waves of growth? And AI was one of those. Like, what could you potentially be like that next trillion dollar industry that's going to take off? I met Hikari Senju, who was the CEO and founder of Omniki. He had started it in 2018. And I joined in like 2021. So he was running all of sales, engineering. I was the third hire at Omniki and took over everything revenue related sales business development a lot of different things you wear a lot of different hats at startups and we were ahead of the game on generative ai so it got really hot about a year ago where like all the c-suite were like oh wow you can actually do something with it but we had like the early gpt product like gpt2 in our product in 2020 so we were ahead of the curve building getting ready for the technology to get good enough and then catch that wave
2: I love it. A couple of things from everything that you just said in your introduction is, first off, I feel like, you know, working in a corporate enterprise like AT&T, there is this lower liability when it comes to making mistakes, like you could bounce off from that easier versus like being in a startup and making mistakes, right? When you're in a startup, you can't afford to make those mistakes as much, which means the opportunity for learning is great, right? And a second one that I feel like is worth just picking up on is, you know, when you make so many calls, Calls. I feel like you're really, you know, building a lot of resilience and like a thick skin, right? Do you feel like those were valuable lessons for you to learn as you embrace this new entrepreneurship hat, like wearing this new hat? And what was maybe the biggest one from that?
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that defining moment, I worked for a small business before AT&T for like 18 months where I was cold calling as well. And I learned the Sandler sales training. It was all about this thing called abundance mentality. Like if you think there's no sales available out there, that's what the reality is going to be. But if you think there's, you know, out of a thousand people, a hundred of those will do business with you and you just do it every day, it's going to start to work, but you have to keep doing it. And those early days of cold calling have set the tone for my entire life. Really. You get knocked down. You have no clue in those early days. Like sales is 80% asking questions, 20% speaking. A lot of the people out there will do the opposite. They'll talk and tell you all the features and stuff people like to talk and tell you about their problems and what their goals are. And so you have to learn how to ask questions to uncover what the real problem is and getting knocked down, like nothing in life is ever easy. And you learn that from those early days of sales is just keep chipping away at it. Just like I know fitness and mental health is big for you as well. You keep adding things on to your routine and then you start to see like this compounding effect that takes years potentially to get better. (laughs) Right. Because you're like, it got easier.
2: Well, I feel like it's a tough skill set and nobody likes sales. Like we all are in sales, but when it comes to that, like, you know, rugged mentality of call calling, nobody likes that. And I feel like that's definitely fundamental to sounds like your growth and your journey is very inspiring and a Testament to the fact that a solid foundation can definitely propel you to any height. So speaking of that, I would love to delve deeper now into your current role as tech continues in this rapid evolution that we've just seen explode, especially in the last year. And you're right, like generative AI hasn't necessarily, it's not new, it's been around, it's just we just recently grasp its existence, especially yeah. when it comes to mainstream. How do you see sales metaphor because of it.
0: Yeah. So there's a number of exciting areas of AI. And so the founder Hikari, when he thought of this idea, he knew data was going to be the key to generative AI. So like large language models can analyze huge data sets, pull out insights from it. So That's how we got into advertising in the first place, generating ads with AI based on data. Because anywhere you advertise, there's lots of data available when people click or buy something. You can run something called one of the earlier stage things of AI, computer vision, can analyze the different elements of what's in a ad or image or copywriting. And then Mm -hmm. if you have the performance data, you can figure out what's resonating with audiences and use those attributes in future creative. So that was kind of like the basis of the early days of OmniKey is pull in wherever we can get access to a lot of data. Use that as a key to generating better performing advertisements. How I see sales changing, Anka, and this is one of my favorite questions, coming from a direct sales organization at AT AT&T where we were doing everything cold calling, email, digital is now the base to sales. So the way OmniKey does it, it, we use our own product, is you can drive customers in using digital ads, organic marketing, all these different things. You can test your value prop of your company's messaging. And then as customers come to you, you can have a much leaner sales force than the old days. You can take more meetings, but you are holding lots of Zoom calls. They could be face-to-face. You're having lots more discovery, and you learn from those customers, and you develop how to improve your sales process from the first discovery demo to the next to figuring out how to close business faster, but it comes as more of an inbound learning from it, figuring out who your ideal customers are from an inbound motion, and then you can go outbound after you've figured out like what is your best customers that find value to your product, but Digital is now by far, you can have a 10th of the old sales teams you used to have. And now the sales team spends a lot more time actually with customers than they used to understanding their business problems and selling.
2: So it's quite intriguing to see how we're experiencing this seismic shift, you know, from traditional sales paradigms, as you mentioned, to something far more dynamic and adaptive. Now, speaking of that seismic shift in the business world, I'm curious how does this apply practically, say, on LinkedIn when you're looking for leads or as an event professional that is looking to gather RSVPs and sure. People at their events or a business owner, small business owner trying to get the right client just because somebody, you know, is there doesn't mean it makes it the ideal client for you.
0: Yeah. So the interesting part of AI is we're getting closer to personalization. Now in organic content, we're just posting on LinkedIn or something personalization is very challenging, but from a paid perspective, when you're paying for advertisements, we're getting much closer with AI. And what I mean by that, there's four dynamic elements that OmniKey looks at. First is It could be in B2B, you could have different audiences or B2C, it doesn't matter. But you could have different verticals like retail or airlines. You could have different geographies you're focusing on. You could focus on different countries with different languages or different cities that you want to have that content that they see talk about the local area or something unique to close by home. The third one is the products and services. In the past with broadcast and narrow cast, people focused on like most are advertising either on brand or a product or two. You could have thousands of different products. Now technology and AI allows you to plug in many different products, like potentially hundreds of different products, and then go advertise for each one of those uniquely. And the fourth one is platforms, is your customers' attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. They're going to all these different places. They're going from website to mobile app to TikTok to Reddit to all these different places. Now you have to follow your customers to all these different places and move them along the sales funnel with different types of content depending on the platform. And that's where personalization is going. You dynamically can change all those different elements. It turns into potentially hundreds of different options of creative that becomes more personalized for the end user.
2: So give me like a practical example with some of those verticals that you just mentioned for anyone that is still trying to like wrap their mind around it because maybe visually they can't necessarily like visualize how that works per se.
0: Yeah. So one I really like discussing is automobile industry. So imagine if you're an automobile group, you could have 30 different dealerships across the Midwest United States, and each one of those dealerships might have a different type of car like BMW or Toyota or Tesla, right? And then each one of those is in a different city and they have a different person running the dealership. Well, now you could have an ad that speaks specifically about that type of car, the cars that are available on the lot, the city it's in, and who to talk to in that dealership all fueled by AI and much faster turnaround. Like in the past, it would take months potentially to start a campaign, to having strategy, to copywriting, to generation of, or production of images or assets, to launching it. Now you can do this in a much shorter time frame of, minutes to hours to days depending on what you're doing but much shorter much more meaningful one example i like to keep using is there's a couple different ways you can approach video is user generated content you'll see videos like we're on a podcast right now recording video is amazing way to build and reach customers and people to hear about your story well the next step is ai avatars and so anka you could record yourself as an ai avatar And then you could have a different script or something you want to share with your audience every day. And that AI version of yourself would be saying it. You could have a recording of it with a click of a button instead of going through the full production.
2: Right. I'm actually looking forward to some of that just so I can alleviate some of the time that it takes to record and, you know, constantly generate content. So, okay, but coming back to what you were just saying earlier, does platform matter when it comes to reaching either the customer or whatever your audience is? How does AI decide that this should be the platform that we should focus on? Like, you know, When it comes to advertising, it matters where you're posting those. Like sometimes I would, uh, you know, run some Google ads and I see a different conversion rate if that's like done on LinkedIn versus on Facebook, or if it's on Instagram versus, I don't know, threads or something like that. Right. So does the platform matter still?
0: The platform definitely matters. They all require different types of creative. And there's two different ways. One of the biggest evolutions in advertising that is why creative is now the most important lever for distribution is targeting is becoming more restricted. Like they will not give you access to personal information. They can't do it. There's GDPR, there's California Data Protection Act, there's all these different regulations. So now the platforms have built these algorithms that know the end users. Like they know what Anka, they know what you've looked at or clicked or liked. And they're going to serve you a bunch of ads that are similar businesses. You know, like when you think people are reading your mind all of a sudden, you're seeing a bunch of ads that are similar to something you've looked at recently. That's why you have to have lots of creative because the platforms recognize what's in your creative, what the product is, what the words are, and it's going to distribute it to who they believe it's the best fit for. Mm -hmm. So the better the creative that aligns with people within your target audience, the better the results. It's like kind of the flip of the flip of the old days where you could target more and more with like attributes of your audience. And it's just really getting to the point where you have to have approved email addresses or something, mobile IDs or something to do direct targeting. (laughs) And now, like a lot of times these other types of algorithms perform way better where you're just feeding the platform fuel with creative.
2: Now I wanna go back to one of the buzzwords that it's become so popular these days, and that is generative AI that you mentioned earlier, which is not just like another tech jargon, but really a concept that promises to redraw the boundaries of what's possible, especially in business. So as we stand at this exciting crossword of tech and sales, I'm curious how do you see AI, especially gen AI, reshaping the business landscape from your perspective? And when we look at all this business strategies, how is that enabling businesses to clock higher sales?
0: Yeah, it's impacting every single area of the business. And it's crazy the amount of knowledge shift we've seen in the past year. I think I mentioned earlier a year ago when the early Dolly came out, then ChatGPT, all of these people started using it and prompting and learning and all of a sudden started clicking like what it does. And then we saw this like kind of decline in usage a little bit where people are getting tired of prompting. So now that all these companies are figuring out how to actually plug AI into different areas of the workflow. And so we are testing and using and building every new technology that comes out, and we're building our own internally, but every single element of the process from writing an email to, I'll just tell you in the creative cycle where you can plug it in from a strategy perspective. Say so you have a website, you can scrape your website with AI. It will learn your value props. You can plug that in to go write a bunch of different concepts of ads, like our engine. You give it different emotional appeals, like humor. You could have like eight different emotional appeals, focus on these type of customers. Like I just said, like retail or airlines, All of a send you have five ads concepts. You say, well, well let's
2: take me- it to the event industry because we really want to focus, yeah. like I want want this to be relevant for someone that's in because they're like, I don't care about airlines. I don't care about automobiles. I'm like, I oh, care yeah. to know how am I going to get those butts in seats when it's time to get this event sold out?
0: Yeah, so one of ours, could I talk about music and artists? Does that work with events? Or... <laughs> sure,
2: I mean, right. it's a good parallel. I think it's way more relevant than, say, airlines per se. Not that we don't book travel. It's just that yeah. probably not necessarily the most pressing problem.
0: Yeah. So one is if you're holding an event and you have 25 different speakers in the past, you would do like one piece of content. Now you could test 20 or let's just say 150 pieces of content, all with a different speaker on it, the image of the speaker, a different value prop of what they're going to speak about, Mm. and then launch that all out and hit the people that are interested in that topic.
2: And see which one is more relevant with the
0: audience. Yes. Mm, And and why I use music, for example, is like you Mm -hmm. could have 25 different music artists at a concert event or something. And all of a sudden you can produce 25 different versions of the content with the click of a button with each one of the artists on it and what they're singing or whatever. That's like a use case that we see in the music industry. Mm -hmm. And then like all the text within the above and below the ad can be even more personalized and have five different versions. You learn what works the best across for sales of, for the event or whatever. And then you iterate off of, we like to say 70% of the time you iterate off of what's working 30% you're testing new concepts.
2: I like the example you gave with the speakers. That's kind of an offshoot from the music concert type of advertising because I feel like that's sometimes still an issue as we are trying to bring in newer voices to some of our events, right? To speak as a top voice, an expert on, on a specific topic, but at the same time, without losing the essence of what the topic is, not knowing, you know, it's a new voice, you're taking a bit of a risk, right? Like you don't know if they're able to deliver or not. And being able to test that prior to actually booking your speakers, I definitely see a lot of value in that. So I would love to hear you maybe evolve a little bit more on that concept to drive it home.
0: Yeah. So, where you really can use AI in the process of organic and digital advertising is lots of versions of something. It used to take humans, you know, they would copy something 50 different times or 100 different times, then write an individual copy for each one of those speakers that's going to talk. Like today, you can actually learn. You could even pull up about that author, like that speaker before. You could have images of 25 different people, instantly place those somewhere on an image or even videos if you had. Trained videos and then have all the different things they speak about what's most important you know like we talked about a number of different things earlier like it could be motivational speaking mental health there's like another topic they speak about you could test all three of those all three of those major headlines and figure out what's working the best with the different audiences and then learn from that data that's an example right there
2: I love it. Okay, well, before we dive into the nitty-gritty of how marketers are eyeing growth and can get powered by this tech event that we just talked about, let's take a quick break to acknowledge our podcast sponsor and supporter, and we will be right back. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifun Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifun Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. To find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable, go to Trifunevents.com. Welcome back, friends. If you're just joining us, we have Matt Swalley, co-founder and chief business officer of Omniki, who has revolutionized the way companies are advertising to their consumers. I hope that you've all sort of like grabbed the concept of what we had discussed earlier, as we're about to go in round two with Matt. Right now, we're talking all about harnessing technology to skyrocket growth. So Matt, in this world of marketing, we know that Technology is a game changer. What's your golden advice for marketers that are eyeing growth, powered by all of these tech advancements that we talked about?
0: Yeah. So the one that I love to share is there's about five different really popular AI newsletters out there that span technology, events, marketing. They share all the latest updates in AI every day. So you don't want to read them all because it can become too much. Overwhelming. Overwhelming. That's right. But they all share like 10 new cool apps that are built every single day. So what you can do is a lot of these are free. And the easiest thing is to go test two or three of these a week. And if you don't want to share your own data on it, create a fake business, like just test it, generate a fictitious business, just so you can see what you can accomplish with these tools, because you're going to start to learn ways that you can cut down time for whatever processes you're doing. And then things you can build into your normal routine. That's what's so great about. The difference today versus 10 or 20 years ago is social media and podcasting. Thank you for having me on here, Aga, is it opens the door to learning so much you couldn't in the past. All these leaders that are cutting edge of technology are sharing in the open what will make you successful with AI. So you just go learn from that and then constantly be testing, learning every single day. Just build it into your routine. Go test the new app, learn from it. Figure out if it should come into your workflow or not.
2: I like that. I actually have a growing list of some of those apps. Almost every day I update it on the website under AI Tools. And I do the same thing. Like I would go and try a few different ones within, you know, the scope of what I'm looking for or what speaks to me. And that is fantastic advice right there because I feel like anyone that would like to learn more. I mean, for me, the best way I learn is by doing, you know, hands-on. I, I gotta try it for myself, and you can talk about about it, But until you see how that can be applied tactically to your own problem, to your own whatever business or even this fictitious business that you mentioned, it's hard to grasp all of its possibilities because the landscape is so vast and it's becoming so evident that the ones that are equipped with the right technological tools and strategies will not just survive, but they will thrive. So while it does feel like sometimes overwhelming to just go through all of those tools because there's so many and you're right like there's always something new coming out and just to stay on top of it feels like a full-time job there's also this mindset that you have to have the growth mindset as you mentioned you know if you're willing to try if you're willing to grow by learning all of those things that are available to you I feel like there's so much opportunity for a lot of organizations to take advantage of now I want to come back a little bit to this ATT background that you had and then moving into a startup because I feel like there's definitely a lot of contrast but also parallels and invaluable lessons that can be learned from there so as we move into the space again having had a foot in both of those worlds could you share maybe synthesis of experiences that you've gathered and how that fusion has been helping you influence some of Omniki's trajectory in other words what are some of the lessons that you've learned that you are able to deploy to turbocharge the the growth that you would like to see at OmniKey?
0: Yeah, I think one of the best things you learn at a large company is I think I did 15 different jobs in 13 different years and lived in five different cities, major cities in the US. And each one of those, I set like I had a brand new team I was leading or starting a brand new job across new job functions where you're learning completely different roles. And some of those are the toughest times. And so you get this repetition of getting comfortable mm going to brand new places, setting up organizational structure, hiring. I feel comfortable walking into almost any office after doing that for so many years, having conversations with brand new people, figuring out like doing those early days of introductions, to learning how to communicate with your teams, to not only encourage them, but get out of their way when they're doing a great job. And what you see at startups is startups are so fun because you go into a world with, especially in Silicon Valley and San Francisco, with the most ambitious people you're ever going to see. These CEOs and people you're around are hyper-driven. Like I worked around some of the best leaders at at t Now I'm in the startup world. Like they think so big, which is such an amazing, they have this vision and come from some of the best schools in the world. And they're like, the only option is figuring out how to succeed, you know, putting the pieces together. But a lot of the challenges with startups in early stages is they haven't been around large organizational structure. Like how do I set up the company in the different positions? How do I go about taking it through the next couple of stages because they didn't have that learning experiences from dealing with seven layers of leadership at AT AT&T, where the other thing I love about startups is you can make decisions very quickly like one of Jeff Bezos's favorite things to say is most doors are reversible. So Amazon throughout all their early days and still supposedly today, they make decisions quickly because they could potentially reverse them. Most large companies do not make decisions quickly. I would spend weeks on projects that you would have great insights and you're like, where do they go? I always kind of felt like I was did things differently at a large company where I had, I really had this entrepreneurship at heart where I wanted to move fast, do things differently, learn from it. And then when you get in a startup, it's just like we were talking about cold calling and sales, you're constantly selling the company around everyone you have and you're given opportunities you would not have been given at a large company.
2: It sounds like as you're almost like, you know, when you're climbing a mountain, you have different stages of acclimatization and you have to acclimatize based on where you are. Like sometimes you go, 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 but then there's a point where you got to stop and then, okay, got to acclimatize and see what's happening and then to push to the next stage, right? So it almost feels like that. Also, I was watching something on Netflix. I think it was something about the startups in Silicon Valley and it was so, like, one of the funnest <laughs> things that I thought it was super fun but it's also like the reality of how things move there is like if you have a product and it's not ready for market when in doubt ship it and that's what happens
0: <laughs> Yeah, Anka, that is exactly the motive. And our founder is so amazing. He's the most driven and great visionary on AI. But I mean, I've learned so much from that other lens, the Silicon Valley lens. It's called hyperscaling. You do things so differently, like the opposite almost of what you would do at a large company. It's just so fun and rewarding. And I feel so lucky from a number of different ways that I took the risk. It's such a different challenge. I will say large company, I had some impossible time so much so that you have these huge revenue goals and impossible ways to hit it because it could be a declining industry. And those times were so tough on me. Like at startups, at least you have control over your activities could lead to output that accomplish your goals and you can adapt and there'll be really tough times you'll take a step forward two steps back or a step for you know two steps forward one. that
2: acclimatization it, that i mentioned that's is right like you go 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 and then you've got to take a step down and then go back and push forward it feels like it's this delicate dance that in a way inherited from integrating the large corporation wisdom with the agility of a startup which is mm-hmm. truly an art and it sounds like you know you've learned how to master that and it's a blend that i definitely see how it can accelerate growth, but also refine the approach to you know some of the emerging challenges that you mentioned. And one of the pivotal challenges and opportunities, I guess, in today's digital ecosystem is, as you alluded to earlier, this personalization. And I'd love to touch a bit on that as we're coming to an end here, because as we stand amidst a whirlwind of technological advancements, the idea of personalization isn't static. It's constantly evolving, it's redefining how businesses emerge and engage with their audiences. And I'm curious to know, how do you see its evolution in the current climate that we're in?
0: Yeah. So we mentioned earlier about how you can get much more granular on things that people are thinking about and getting closer to that exact thing. The craziest thing is every machine you're using, especially like you're seeing Tesla with these supercomputers, everything is becoming a place where you could see something where someone's trying to sell it to you. It's just going to start to become more and more organic and not look like an ad. It's going to be natural. We're already reading people's brains with AI right now. Just imagine the Metaverse is getting even better and better right now with like the most recent advancements that Mark Zuckerberg shared. His one year advancement in the Metaverse was just remarkable where him and I think it was Lex Friedman did a podcast together and they weren't in the same room, but they really looked like they were talking to each other in an actual room with their normal bodies and stuff. It's crazy. I mean, neurological brain reading, understanding what you're thinking, presenting what you're thinking, predicting what you're thinking it's there in the next you know now in the next couple of years it's going to move so fast so there's different levels of artificial intelligence and I think for a while they didn't think AI would be smarter than humans for like 40 more years and now they're saying within a couple of years I mean does that sound like a
2: concept or is that like a hopeful concept to you
0: I'm excited about it. You know, it's just so crazy to think. I think about this every single day. Like I wasn't in AI before I was in technology, but seeing these advancements, I start to look at all these sci-fi movies and I'm like, Ex Machina and all these other ones. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're not that far away. And it just starts to click in how far the world can go with this technology over the next 10 years. I'm hopeful. I have my some concerns on certain things, but I'm so excited about how it can empower us. And hopefully for the better good, Make us more efficient. I do think one thing is challenging still is we're so connected to technology right now. I feel bad for the younger generations. You know, I have two little kids, they're not connected mm-hmm. yet, but they're too young. But like our time spans are so short now, and I find myself like checking my phone and all the technology mm-hmm. so much. It's so hard to overcome. I don't like right. that aspect of it.
2: Right. Well, as far as our conversation is concerned, we've definitely spent from like corporate strategies to AI-driven personalization, which we're still to, you know, see how, what shape and form is going to take. And I want to come to this one last question before we close and spend a little bit of a time on this important aspect of ourselves, which is our well-being. And as business owners and entrepreneurs, event professionals, especially in Silicon Valley, it sounds like you constantly have to juggle so many different tasks and mental and physical fitness is pivotal really to keeping that juggling act flawless. So how do you personally maintain that balance, especially given the intensity of the tech world, but also, you know, raising a family, having small kids
0: and doing all the things? It's the most challenging thing for everyone out there. The hardest part, I think one of the biggest learnings is the more you stop caring about what others think, the easier, the less stressful life is. But I time block like crazy. I work out at between 5.30 and 6.30 a.m. I only have 45 minutes. It takes me seven minutes to get there, seven minutes to get home. (laughs) Like like, everything is
2: like to the minute.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, these are the things that you have to do to stay healthy though. As I know you're big on health and wellness. It's like, if I don't have that in my day, like three to five days a week, I start to crumble. So I build those into my routine. I try to focus less on caring what others think, like contents, public speaking, this can be stressful. Like the early days, you know, when you start talking, you worry, is everyone going to see what we're talking about? Are they going to think badly? And the less you worry about that stuff, if you're a good person and confident in what you're talking about, the easier all this gets. Like people aren't going to pay attention that long. They don't care that much (laughs) about what you think. You're not that
2: important. That's right. So just (laughs) You get that into your head and you're like, oh, I'll be fine. It's fine it's fine.
0: <laughs> so just get out there and do it, right? It's like
1: exactly. get out
0: there and try it and build stuff in your routine and yeah. that was one thing during the hardest times at AT&T that really helped me out was I built that really great workout routine, I started public speaking in Toastmasters mm-hmm. and I started getting my MBA all at the same time while I was in the job and all those helped me like build skills. The last thing is that make it easier if you build skills outside of what you're currently doing into your routine, it helps relieve some of the stress of life cuz you're getting a little bit better at something even through tough times. And then and maybe you'll rely on those at some time in the future. Yeah,
2: no, totally. Like for me, that was a big thing, especially during COVID when, you know, even though the business and the work and events were like really crumbling left and right from all points of view, knowing that I can still master something and I'm still good at something, that really infused a lot of self-confidence in my abilities versus like, if your entire identity is just on one thing alone and that one thing, you know, happens to, I don't know, crumble, disappear, or something happens to it, I have a hard time like seeing how you can get yourself back up on your feet without having something else to anchor to right so you're right like it's so important to have something outside of what your work is function career whatever just so that you at least mentally can be resilient and keep like pushing forward knowing it's gonna be all right i've got this you know if i can do this one hard thing i'm sure i can overcome whatever else is in front of me right now well those are some great insights matt thank you so much for sharing also you know diving into the ai world and and advertising and all the things, the cool things that you guys are doing at Omniki. Now, before we sign off, could you let our audience know where they can connect with you and learn more about your ventures and visions?
0: Yeah, you can look up Omniki at www.omniki.com, Spell O M N E K Y. Yeah, there you go. O-M-N-E-K-Y.com. You can send me an email at matt at omniky.com, or you can look me up on LinkedIn at Matt Swally.
2: Fabulous. All right. Well, thank you so much for this time that you spent with us and our audience. For all of you listeners that you've been tuning in, this was yet another insightful episode that I hope you had uh, quite a few takeaways to take from. Don't forget to subscribe to stay updated on all the future episodes featuring more brilliant minds from the business industry and event industry. Until next time, keep innovating, keep crafting unforgettable event experiences that leave a lasting legacy and keep staying eventful. And with that, this is your host, Anka Patantrifan, signing off. Thank you, Matt. You have a wonderful rest of your
0: day. Thank you, Anka.
1: Thank you for listening to the Events Demystified Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to review it, rate it, and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it. Connect with us on social, at Events Demystified Podcast. We would love to hear from you and what you're up to. If you'd like to learn more about free fan event services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event, can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation? Link in the episode's notes. Thanks for tuning in.